What's up, long players? Welcome back to the Long Play Listing Party, the show where we go deep on local music, writing, recording, inspiration, gear, music business, and whatever else sounds good to us. I'm Howie Howard from Mr. Furious Records, joined by my illustrious co-host, Nate Holt. What's going on, Nate? Nate's doing a dance for the audio dance. podcast listeners. Last week, is now it's not as good uh, of a dance, but anyway. It can't all be the best. No. Uh, we're joined once again by Rob Spector out of Brooklyn, New York. What's going on, Rob? What's up? How are you, Nate? Good to see y'all. And uh, we're just relaxing. Um, got some music in the background. It's going to be uh, more synth music from my new album, Only Mostly Dead. We're not particularly going to talk about it. Instead, Rob has brought a discussion question well, that we're I going thought... to use to kick off our discussion. I really wanted to hear from you, Nate, on what you feel about all these catalogs being sold over the course of the past couple of years. Mm. So it kind of kicked off with like Dylan with like the 300 million deal. I, I think that was with Hypnosis, which is, I guess, a private equity firm. But instead of buying companies, they're buying song catalogs. Uh, it's like some kind of investment vehicle where they're trying to accumulate publishing rights uh, in a big way. Um, and there's been a ton of other people since. There's been... Uh, Springsteen. Springsteen, yeah. Mick Fleetwood, Stevie Nicks, uh, a ton of folks. What a, what do you feel about the this this trend of these, like, mega... I don't know. I, I don't know what to, to think about it, because, I mean, you know, these are already, I think, you know... Fabulous, fabulously wealthy uh, individuals, right? Mm. Who I think <laughs> probably know much more about whatever um, financial situation they're in than I do, but uh, yeah, I don't know. Um, I don't know what he, It's kind of a, a a big fat question mark to me. Um, obviously, these companies will get you know probably short term gains and immediate see immediate you know profits from having those catalogs. But I don't know. I mean, I maybe, 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 uh, maybe, you know, I, I don't know. I, I... So I, I guess the thing for me, Nate, is like how in the like what time frame do you think is realistic to realize a return for spending $300 million on Bob Dylan publishing? Like, so, so I guess the question for me, like, who's the greater fool? Uh, are the artists like cashing out at the time that they feel is their legitimate? I mean, that's kind of where I, that's kind of where I was or is going. There something with that it. These like, I don't know that. Hmm. What you know? What's going through their heads? Being already like, it probably have more money than they know what to do with, but that's probably part of it i mean wouldn't you think like 
hey, if these people want to pay me <laughs> this ridiculously large amount of money for that, then sure. I, I don't know. I mean, and then you get into, you know, ideals and all, all that kind of stuff. But I mean, at the end of the day, it's like, Why? Some of them are saying, why not? I don't know. Rob, I don't know much about these deals. Do, do the buyers, it's probably different per deal, but in general, do the buyers have the ability to do like new licensing things and potentially earn more money? Or are they just holding the publishing rights and getting the revenue that would have accrued the artists. So most of these deals start as publishing rights and uh, they eventually pick up recording. So like Bob Dylan sold his publishing for 300 million, then sold his recording for 200 million. So there's a lot of uh, there's I'm going to let this siren pass by Sure. part of recording in New York. Oh, okay, man. Brooklyn. Yeah. Uh, honestly, it's like when I go to Kansas and I don't hear a siren every now and again, I start to get a little worried. It's like, weird, yeah. Are there responsible people out there paying attention to what's going on? Like, I need to know. Yeah. Um, but yeah, like, so the, the thing that's like confusing for me is like most of these deals are for publishing rights because that's the only thing a lot of these people still have. Because a lot of these artists that we're talking about here, like Hollow Notes and Taylor Swift, like they were artists that were born during the era of like draconian masters ownership, right? Like, it, you know, Taylor Swift may have had the publishing rights on the half of the songs that she got to write for the record by the record label. But like the recording is almost certainly owned by someone else at this point. Um, so a lot of these deals are just like eye-wateringly high numbers for just the publishing only. And the exploitation vector for those is like really unclear. And the long-term value of that is also really unclear, right? Because when you're talking about Dylan, like we're 50 years removed from the contemporaneous exploitation of those songs. And I can't imagine that there is that much more blood you're going to get out of those turnups, like coming down the pike, because the, the music is just no longer going to be relevant, right? Like, I, I don't mean to say that, like, Bob Dylan isn't a timeless artist by any stretch of the imagination, but look, Billie Holiday and Ella Fitzgerald are timeless artists too, but they are not making the same kind of publishing revenue that they were 20 years ago. Like, there, there's definitely a peak value and I think for a lot of these artists like where they're either at it or really approaching the end of it and I just don't understand the business case for owning these catalogs right now and certainly not for acquiring them with that kind of money so there would be and I hear that this doesn't compare to like the buying price but like there would be a fairly predictable, like annual 
revenue for Bob Dylan's publishing, right? Like you you could count that that's basically I would just throw out a figure three million dollars a year. Which is only a tiny fraction of what the buyer paid, but like you can definitely count on that going out, you know, probably a slow decline, you know, but for 10 or 20 years. Call me a conspiracy theorist, but conspiracy theorist, but uh, money, money laundering. I mean, <laughs> I, okay. Yeah, I you're mean, just uh, saying this is like absolutely a lost vehicle in order to uh, undermine. Yeah. Uh, there, I think there are much better ways of doing that. I would imagine. Uh, but, right now, yeah, but. but whatever. I mean, well, uh, I, I, it seems that like people really. I mean, all of that. It just seems like uh, who, whatever. Just gonna happen. Fuck. <laughs> <laughs> we're 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 probably fine. <laughs> I don't know. Well, the reason why it's like salient today is it, it was announced in in Billboard that Kanye West is looking to do one of these deals. Hmm. And outside of Taylor Swift, I would say that would be the most recent artist to do one of these kinds of like big blockbuster deals. And. You know, Billboard estimated that the the songs in the catalog were were doing roughly 13 million a year in publishing royalties annually, which is not nothing, right? Like that that's 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 uh, a, a decent chunk of revenue for for Kanye, but you know the the price that he was trying to sell this thing for was 35 times the gross profit of his publishing rights. And so I, I, I think the, the question that I'm posing for the group is like, do you think these valuations are going to ultimately produce a return uh, or not? And if it could produce a return, how would you envision, like, like is there some kind of novel exploitation of these publishing rights that I'm just missing? Because I, I do not understand how you, you take a thing that's making 13 million right now and pay 35 times for it and hope to make it back in any kind of time frame that would be acceptable to an investor like like if you're doing private equity you're hoping to get your money back in 8 to 12 years like that's the that's the idea plus you know some meaningful return that hopefully is greater than market value and for a lot of these catalogs I just don't understand how you get there right there's that missing that missing piece of on the one hand using the numbers we have access to we say well it may take 35 years to turn a profit on this on the other hand standard practice very roughly like you said generally looking for 8 to 12 years so what is let's hypothesize for a second so let's say the buyer has a reason they think they will be turning a profit in 8 to 12 years what what could that reason be? What could that look like? Is there some new platform? Is is there is the label going to do something? It has to, you know, probably it has to be something that all these different deals could touch on, right? Like it's not going to be a different reason. I mean, for, yeah, maybe for new, newer technologies, uh, 
I mean, do we need another? Do we need another remaster of a Dylan record? Like, I, I feel like they have remastered the biscuits out of that, right? Like, what else? What more of that waveform can you extract from those masters? That is yeah, and I I don't have a good answer to my own question here. I mean, they yeah. they get they get paid so, so much more to to know why they're doing it. I don't know. I just. <laughs> It must make sense in some in some level at some in in, in some some ack ass ack ass word way. Uh, I don't know what am I trying to say, but I think you're trying to say bass awkward. Something like that. Yeah. Mm. No, I I agree, Nate. Like somebody somewhere who who's making these purchases has is telling themselves a story about how this is going to be profitable. What is that story? <laughs> yeah. yeah. What and, on earth could that be? Uh, Cause I do not, I do not understand. I don't would, would. So when artists and, um, yeah, you know, this, this isn't fun to think about, but you know, there is a bump when artists pass away. How, how much is that bump? Not a quarter of yeah. a billion dollars, I don't think, but like that's something. Does that double your publishing maybe for a year or two, roughly? That could be a small piece of the puzzle. Like, and, and, you know, you can have a novel exploitation where you do the like posthumous record, like they did that with Michael Jackson and, you know, uh, a lot of other artists. I, I, I just, man, how do you get to. Three hundred million dollars. Yeah, maybe it's like a reverse mortgage type of thing. Yeah. Well, <laughs> even if you think about it on a super long term time frame, which I can't imagine that these folks wrote raised this know, money man. on a thirty year time frame, but you know, if if you're talking a thirty year time frame, that means this Kanye catalog is going to be what Dylan is now, right? And Dylan is going to be like Glenn Miller old. <laughs> like it's going to be like ancient. So how does this make any business sense? I don't know. I don't understand. Now, now I don't. I wish, I wish Royce was here. This would be a perfect question for Royce. For sure. Like, I don't, I don't begrudge these artists for taking the payday. Like, like, look, you know, if the money's there, like, just, just take it. Right. Like, I, and I do think my, my sense is that the managers of these artists know quite a bit more about the shelf life of the product than the private equity people that are purchasing it. And the they're kind of saying, that fucking they're getting, do it now. <laughs> yeah, they're, they're just like, you're never getting this chance again. I have no idea why these Johans are doing it. Um, you know, this, this, this means you can tour or you bigger. can not tour, but whatever, <laughs> yeah. you're fine. You'll this be will fine. be a much bigger estate yeah, for your yeah. family than any yeah. other possible vehicle. So, and I don't think there's anything wrong with that. I don't think there's anything wrong with that at all. Um, I, I do wonder what it means for music as a whole. If there is a significantly funded element that is trying for their livelihoods, for, for the sake of their fund, exploit, continuing to exploit old music 
with literally no financial incentive to find new music. In fact, it is in their best interest if less new music makes it to ears. Right, to, to keep attention on the old music. Well, that's a whole... I mean, that opens up a whole much bigger yeah. question in terms of, like, how... How do we support or finance or just make it possible for artists to make music, make new music? How do we pay for new music? And I mean, we, we talk about these deals. We're, we are approaching the size of the annual music industry today, right? Like if you today, add them all up. it's about a $17 billion industry. If you like add up all these deals together, you're starting to get close to it, right? And if the money behind old music is eclipsing the money behind new music. Like what kind of industry are we going to be living in? Uh, Bob Dylan and AI generated stuff, I guess. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Like, I don't know. That, that sounds like a, a rough part of a Cory Doctorow novel. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's, it's fascinating to consider like, like we may approach, we may approach a level where more people are paying, where more capital is going into stuff our parents and grandparents listen to than the stuff that we're listening to now. Stuff. Which is crazy to consider because we're not spring chickens. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know. Oh no, it's killing me when I see the, the, the 20 year tweets about what I think of as an artist's new album. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I, I saw I saw a thing today. Uh, there was a new special pressing of Bad Religions. Uh, How could hell be any worse? And it is forty years old. Oh wow! <laughs> oh, that's painful. That is painful. That hurts. Yeah, that's like that's almost that hurts reaching like uh, Buddy Holly when we were fifteen kind of territory. Yeah, yeah. on the Windows ninety five CD. Oh man. Yeah. Oof. Oh, no, I meant like Buddy Holly, Buddy Holly, like oh, 55 yeah. to 95, 40 years. Oh, I thought you were talking about the Weezer video. Right. Which is <laughs> no. <itself> very old. <laughs> it's like, that song was about a guy. Did you know that? Oh, was it? Okay. <laughs> so tell me more about that. <laughs> I will link to Buddy Holly's. Yeah, who is this Buddy Holly character? Who is this Buddy Holly that you're speaking of? <laughs> And yep. how much how much do you think he could sell his catalog for? <laughs> Why hasn't he sold his catalog? <laughs> yeah, yeah, really? Oh, he, right? had some, he had some bops. Probably probably a couple hundred million at least, maybe. Yeah, maybe. I mean if Dylan ah, I don't know. Yes. This is generation before Dylan kind of. I mean things were happening so fast back then. Indeed. In terms of musical development. But um Yeah, I don't know. Man, that's a great question, Rob, and I just don't know if uh I don't know if Nate or I can mount a good answer, but it is that that is an important mystery. It's like why there's a disconnect somewhere. If artists thought they're that they were going to earn more than these deals are paying them, it wouldn't deal, right? So, yeah. so artists think that this is a good deal for them. They might well be right. Buyer thinks that it's going to be a good deal for them. Why? What? Good luck. What does the buyer think that they know? It feels the like artist they, doesn't they're, know. They've got the hard part. That, that I mean, the only the only bull case that, that for feels like it, but 
I, I'm, I'm not, I'm obviously not paid near that amount of money to understand that shit. So I'm just going to stay out of it. <laughs> it could be a fucking pain in the ass. Uh, they could be taking on the hard part or they could just be geniuses. I don't know. I think the only bull case I can think of that I can think of for hypnosis and a lot of these firms is their bet is music is going to be frozen before 2002. Like what is truly popular music? What is truly universal music? A, a song that literally everyone knows will never happen again. Like that's the only possible explanation I can think of. Which is, oh. which is good and bad, right? Like, like it's it's bad in the sense that there is this shared um, musical history that the market may have fragmented itself to such a degree is impossible to have in a national way anymore. Um, and I don't know if that's true or not. Um, but it, but it's also good in the sense that, you know, it's so much easier to make a living as an artist, um, than it was in 2002. It just may be impossible to make a fortune as an artist ever again, which is a wild thing to, to think about. Yeah, that would be, that'd be, uh, Tough to think about if, if kind of the day to day maybe is better, but we don't have those, you know, a let it be or a blowing, you know, blowing in the wind or um, we don't have a Madonna record, right? Like we don't yeah. have like like a prayer, like that that song, that crazy song with all the crap that was going on into it, and like the you know hundreds of thousands of dollars of production value. Like we don't get that song now. Um, I don't know. It's uh, it's an interesting thing to th consider. I think we've. It's a plausible answer to your own question, and I appreciate that. I mean, you've come, you've come the closest <laughs> at a at a story. It's a. If it's an appropriate if story for our times. It's it's not a hopeful story, particularly. It's it's mixed at best, but it. Um, if Kanye sells his catalog for five hundred million dollars, that guy is going to become even more insufferably crazy than he is right now. Like Kanye right now is out of control. Kanye with a half a billion dollars will be insane. Like it will be, it will be mental. So wait, so what? What does he want to do now that, like, mon not having enough money is the main barrier to? Yeah, right. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know what he wants to sell. Maybe, maybe he feels the buses, the trains leaving the station on these deals, and maybe just trying to strike while the iron's hot. I don't know. I don't know what his motivation would be. I don't want to speculate about Kanye's motivations. I mean, I'm, I'm not withholding anything i just i have no speculation to make i would be he he strikes me as someone who would just want to go for like a billion like just a nice round i mean just like some just a nice facebook b billion yeah with a b. yeah yeah 
if 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 anyone Maybe. else, because I think Springsteen was five hundred million, wasn't it? Yeah, it was five hundred million. He's got a he'll want more than the boss, don't you think? <laughs> yeah, he'll definitely want more than the boss. He's the voice of a generation. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, well, I love some Kanye. We'll put it that way. I love some Kanye. Indeed. As Let's uh. So let's go around and just kind of sum up with uh, like a recommendation, maybe, and uh, kind of a little, just a quick little update or whatever you're working on or anything you've got to plug. Um, I'll just go ahead and go. You guys can think about think about your lists quick if you want. Uh, my recommendation is the Tangerine Dream new album, the new Tangerine Dream Realm, mm. uh, came out this year. Um, using some of Edgar's tapes and recordings and MIDI files, and they have access. The band members, the existing band members, have access to his whole archive, which is massive. Oh wow! And um, honestly, may it's gonna be in my like top however many ten or twelve or fifteen records of the year. Tangerine Dream put out a banger in twenty twenty two. Who'd have thought? Mm. Um, if you like night mode, if you like any of the classic Berlin school stuff, it's very pretty. Um, it's very, um, it's not all major key, but there's a lot of kind of major key and, and beautiful arpeggios. And, um, and the production is a nice mix of kind of classic Tangerine Dream and with a modern kind of edge to it. Really, really beautiful. And I think... Some people who may not typically listen to instrumental synthesizer music, this might be a really approachable one and a good one to um, to check out, to, to kind of dip your toes. You know, if you like Daft Punk or um, Phoenix or um, there's no vocals, so it's not you know it's it's not a pop record, but if you like some of those sounds, this this might be an, an entry point to to some of that stuff. Uh, as far as what I'm working on, I mean, I just released a massive uh, four and a half hour set of my own synthesizer music. It's called <laughs> Only Mostly Dead. It's been bubbling away in the background, and I will link to it, of course. Uh, it also comes in a cut down selections from Only Mostly Dead format, which is a uh, uh, like a long CD length. And I have some physical CDs if you if you really want a physical CD of the selections. A short version you can hit me up for that uh, in terms of what's coming huge solo record coming out on November 1st it's called fight songs it's uh, Nate plays on it Rob sings on it I've got you know the whole the whole crew came and did uh, different parts Drew and Corey and uh, of course Scott and uh, it is if you've ever liked anything I've done, you're going to like this one. It's catchy. The vocals are right up front. Everything's popping along. It's inspired by Motown and Elvis Costello and Nick Lowe and punk rock and all the fun, zippy stuff you can imagine. I I just went and did, did bops and bangers and, and really tried to do a crowd-pleasing thing here. So look for that on November 1st. And then in 2023, scary to think that we're, you know, approaching that already. But um, hopefully, 
Hopefully, yes, hopefully, ho hopefully it will continue to exist into the new year. Uh, but plenty of stuff lined up, more synthesizer stuff, more hip hop um, and 404 type stuff um, coming out. And uh, I don't know, maybe we'll get the Mars Lights records done in 2023. That would be amazing. Um, and then also I'm experimenting with some kind of lo-fi punk metal inspired stuff. I don't know when there's no date on that, but that's what's like fresh top of mind right now. Um, so I'm just, I'm just going to be all over the place in 2023 is kind of the plan. Killer. Bob, what you got? Uh, well, my, my recommendation, if you haven't heard the new Orville Peck record, uh, it is incredible. Um, this is like the first major label record I have listened to over and over again in a very long time. So Orville Peck is a country artist, baritone. Uh, he wears these ridiculous, like 80s era cowboy costumes with like leather tails and frills. And he has a mask on the entire time, a ridiculous looking hat. Like it's really, really out there presentation. But at mm. the core of it are amazing songs by an amazing country singer, like the kind of baritone that I remember growing up with in the late 80s and early 90s. When I think about what the, like when Nashville first went to New York and first started making records on labels like Columbia mm -hmm. with the lush orchestration and the huge sound and the tons of parts and, um, you know, the, the big, massive production values, like this is one of those records, but it's relevant today. Uh, and the songs are absolutely incredible. If you're going to get started, uh, the opener is a tune called Daytona Sand, which is incredible. Great video also on YouTube, which you can pick up right away. Uh, the best song on the record, in my view, is Kalahari Down, which uh, is you know, one of the best songs I've heard sung by a baritone in a very long time. So, uh, highly recommend, highly recommend some Orville Peck. It's, it's, uh, it is incredible. Oh, what's uh, I guess it's my turn. Mm-hmm. Oh, well, uh, yeah, I mean, I'll keep it simple. I would say anything by Barry Harris. Uh, you know, if you're an iTunes person, it's Barry Harris Essentials. Um, also, I would recommend the uh, Volume One by Aaron Parks, I believe is his name, jazz pianist. Um, let me see if I can find it. Hold on. Well, nice looking, Rob. Are you working on? Yeah, Aaron. Uh, yeah, Volume One. Aaron Parks, Matt Breer, Eric Harland. Uh, yeah, he has Volume One, Volume Two out. That's I would uh, absolutely recommend. Um, and then, I mean, I don't know. I've 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 got a lot of stuff. Uh, brewing. I'm just. Gonna keep it simple. I there, right. there's too much stuff. I, I, I yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, I can link. I can link to anything you want me to. Just uh, just shoot me an email. Rob, did you want to say? Are you working on anything? Are you writing or? Yeah. So I I really 
uh, I'm working on a comedy series uh, that I can't talk about yet, but um, it'll be a like straight to YouTube kind of uh, bit. And if you uh, if you love New York um, and uh, you love uh, absurdist humor, um, I think it's I think it's something that you'll dig, and I uh, I hope I'll be coming out with that in uh, in Feb or March of 23. Very cool. All right, guys. Good talk. Listeners, uh, we appreciate your time. Subscribe if you haven't subscribed on uh, whatever whatever platform you're listening on. That's always great. And uh, shoot us any questions you might have. Until next week, uh, where we'll be joined by guest Kat King. Very excited to have Kat on the show. Uh, she's. We're going to listen to some EPs, and she's got a new single out. Oh, that's um, awesome. Yeah, So so that'll be a good show. And uh, until then, we've been the Long Play Listening Party. Later, everybody. Later! All right, we did it. Oh, we did it. Mine did it. <laughs> Miles got very insistent about needing to be on my lap. <laughs> <laughs> Miles is uh, making a scene.